0: Welcome to another edition of the Weld.com podcast. Today, Danea is going to be sitting down with Richard Johnson from Ocean Corp to talk about underwater welding.
1: Well, today I have Richard with the Ocean Corp and we're going to go over some of the different types of diving, certifications, myths, pay. I know it's probably a big one. Um, so starting off schooling wise, how much schooling does it usually take to become a diver? Or an underwater
0: so, welder, I Yeah, say. so a lot of folks, they have the idea, I want to be an underwater welder. Mm-hmm. And so, because it's kind of a generic term, I'm going to weld underwater. And what a lot of folks don't realize is you're going to be a commercial diver, not just an underwater welder. So uh, the diving for a commercial diver is way more advanced and a lot more complex than being a scuba diver. Okay. So for our school here at the Ocean Corporation, it's seven and a half months. It seemed like a really long time um, but what we do is we teach not just diving. So, uh, we start off with a couple of NDT inspection methods. We teach MT and UT, okay. uh, which is actually used by divers underwater. Uh, then we get into, I call it the science of diving. So you have to learn some basic physics and it's not overwhelming physics. It's more like, Hey, if I go to the bottom of a swimming pool and I breathe out, the bubble gets bigger as it goes up, you know, simple, simple. physics like that. Okay. Um, So you get that, you get into decompression. Uh, So, you know, your body builds up uh, nitrogen in your tissues and you have to come up slowly so it can off gas. And um, we get into treatment. So if you do get decompression sickness, you can get in a uh, decompression chamber. So the diver gets in, then they compress it on air and the diver breathes oxygen under pressure. Helps get rid of the residual nitrogen and build up that kind of thing. Okay. Um, Then we get into uh rigging which i tell everyone rigging is the most important class because if you can't rig you can't move anything and so uh rigging the equipment and then it's kind of a shift from classroom into the actual diving where you're going to spend about 90 percent of your time in the water uh, versus classroom and then so you'll get into your construction um, with your air diving and your basic stuff. Then we go down to Galveston for a week where your students are diving in a canal and it's only about 10 to 20 feet deep, but it's kind of murky water. Mm-hmm. So it kind of gets you an idea of working in pretty much commercial diving conditions mm-hmm. uh, where you will not always have great visibility. Then the students come back and we do mixed gas diving, which will okay. be your deeper breathing helium and oxygen mixture. And then from there, we kind of advance on And pretty much one of the last modules we teach is underwater welding. So we start off with topside stick welding. Mm -hmm. Then we get into the underwater welding and burning. And so that's kind of the last ones we finish off with. So about seven and a half months to complete the school.
1: Okay. Now, uh, being a welder myself, how many welders do you have, like, come and take this course and think they're going to be an underwater welder? And, like, how often are you actually welding underwater?
0: So we get um, quite a few students who went to welding school and they go, I want to be an underwater welder. And then they get here and day one, we let them know that you're here to be a commercial diver, not just weld underwater. Explain you're a construction worker. So the way I explain it is if you're a welder, you get in your truck, you drive, get to the location, you weld, get in your truck and you go home. If you're a diver, you put your diving hat on, your helmet, you get down and get, that's your transportation to the work site. And you weld, you burn, you do your construction or whatever, come up. And so it's just transportation to get you to the work site. You're a construction worker. You just happen to be working underwater. Uh, as far as the amount of welding, uh, varies quite a bit. So if you're offshore in the Gulf of Mexico, not a lot of welding, uh, maybe some anodes. You might be doing some repair work. Closer in inland diving, uh, you could be doing quite a bit. Uh, so there's some diving companies that are contracted with the Navy that actually do a lot of stuff with the Navy. Mm-hmm. A friend of mine has um, a diving company right here in Houston, Omega Divers. They did a nine-month welding job. They're bidding on a couple more, one in Georgia and some other places. Uh, so you could do quite a bit of welding or you might not do any. You could okay. be a diver for 20 years and never weld. Okay. Um, so it just kind of depends, depends on what air you like to do and what you're good at.
1: Okay. Now when it comes to welding, are they, will they try to pull it up like to the top side or will they always weld it bottom side?
0: So for the underwater welding, you're going to only use uh, stick welding mm-hmm. and we'll only use DC current. It's not going to be a lot of critical weld. So you're really not going to be doing any pipe welding. If mm-hmm. you do, then you have to resort to hyperbaric welding, which is you have a Habitat. Basically, over whatever you're welding on, they blow all the water out. You've got fans for getting rid of the smoke. Your diver comes down, gets into the habitat, takes his hat off, puts his welding hood on, and welds in the dry. Everything is done. Take everything out, reverse the process. So, again, transportation, and now I'm a welder. Okay. Welding in the dry. So, if you have a pipeline, there's lots of nuts and bolts kind of stuff. So, what will happen is they might lay a pipeline, And then they go, okay, we need to connect it so we can pump the gas or oil through it. So a diver will come down and measure it, pull it maybe over close to where it needs to be. And they go, hey, it's four feet too long. We need to cut off four feet. They'll pull the entire thing up. Your welders will go cut off four feet, weld the flange. They'll x-ray it, test it.
1: All topside.
0: All topside. Drop the entire pipeline all the way back down. Divers will bolt it together. Um, Then they'll run the pig. Mm -hmm. nitrogen test that kind of thing pressure test it and so that's how they'll kind of do your pipeline welding so to speak
1: okay now like with certifications when it comes to like topside welding um like if you get the 6g then that covers you know all those certs underneath depending on what thickness and um, electrodes and that that you're using when it comes to underwater welding is there like a Major coupon that you could do that would be good for all the positions, or do you have to specifically get each certification for the different positions? Right.
0: So, here's the school uh, for Topside. We have everybody start off and they can get a one, two, three, or four F mm-hmm. uh, because most of your stuff underwater is going to be fillet weld. You're going to have a lap joint, you have repairs, that kind of stuff. Okay. So, we have them do that. And then in the water, you can get a two F or a four F here. Okay. And so, we kind of got a in between, not the easiest. And then a little bit more harder kind of thing to get. Uh For your welding, you have to get a cert for each Each. position that you're going to be welding in. So it's not like you can get the four and you're good for For all three. So you just have to get a cert for each one.
1: Okay. Now, like you're talking about a Habitat, which would they have to get certified to weld in a Habitat then? Because isn't that... That would probably be considered a confined space.
0: Right. Pretty much in the Gulf of Mexico, they don't do a lot of hyperbaric welding because it's expensive. Yeah. uh, Way more expensive and uh, a lot more work and you have to have your diver specialty trained. So most of your stuff is going to be wet welding, which is basically your diver jumping in the water, in the surroundings and welding right there. Same stuff you've been doing. Yep. Um, So it's going to be more of that kind of thing. So they still do... uh, some habitat welding down in um, Mexico, some other countries. Still do some habitat, but for the most part,
1: they try not to do that. Just yeah, because they're, they're going to st-
0: yeah expense a little more risk, you know, to the diver. Divers don't like taking their hats off underwater. You know, that's okay. where the air's at. So yeah, having to get into a habitat, take it off, and weld. So if you can, they'll keep your hat on and weld in the dry. Now you might have a smaller habitat going over a joint or something that needs to be repaired, mm-hmm. and you'll. Blow the water out, and your diver will still have his hat on, put his Foot. lens down, and weld in the dry kind of okay. thing. so, you know, if you Scamacons. need a stronger weld.
1: Okay. All right. So, you're talking a little bit about certifications. So, to be a commercial diver, what type of certifications is that required to get your commercial diver's license? Right.
0: So, to come to school, you don't need to be a scuba diver. You don't need any kind of certifications. Uh, pretty much, you need to have a high school diploma or GED. Okay. Um, you don't even have to be a great swimmer. I joke and laugh and tell everybody, I'm not a great swimmer. I can dog paddle pretty good. You just have to be able to sink because okay. you've got a hose and everything. They can pull you up. Uh, you just have to be comfortable in the water. You can't be claustrophobic because you've got a helmet on your head. As yep. you know, yep. it's it kind of snug. Yep. But you don't have to have any kind of real certifications. We teach you from start to finish. We used to teach our folks scuba here, but you really don't use a lot of scuba in mm-hmm commercial diving because they want you to have unlimited air supply and we want you to have communications with the folks topside so they know what's going on. Yeah. uh, That kind of thing. So we don't do the scuba. You really don't need any kind of certifications. The only other requirement to really get in school is you have to be able to pass a dive physical. Uh, The one we use for our school is not as intense and is involved as an actual dive physical. Okay. Pretty much the only Things that are just jump out, can't do is if you've got a heart condition or if you have asthma or you have to have an inhaler, you're underwater, can't pull Can you, your nope. puffer out and take a breath. So <laughs> nope. uh, heart conditions, if you've got some folks that have had some head injuries where they were in the hospital, you know, more than 24 hours, might have to have a neuro depending on when it was, how bad it was, that kind of thing. Okay. If you take medications, it doesn't mean it disqualifies you. It's more of a, what do you take? How often? If you're insulin dependent, yeah, probably not going to be able to be in the water and then you need a shot. Yeah, Can't really get it underwater. So a lot of that stuff, if someone is questioned about something, uh, we'll turn them over to our uh, school doctor. And he's a hyperbaric slash diving specialist. And he can answer yes or no. If it's a maybe, what you'll have to go through to go through that. But we pretty much all the way through, start to finish, all the certs, the training you need.
1: Okay. Now, probably one of the biggest questions is how much money you actually do make. I know there's lots of myths out there of actually how much money you can make. Right. And I know, um, depending on the level that you go, also usually means more money as well. So, first off, I guess, let's maybe talk about the levels. Okay. And then maybe, like, pay-wise, pay scale, of kind of what we're talking about there.
0: Right. So, yeah, one of the things that... um, I've seen a lot of stuff out there in social media. You know, I'm going to be an underwater welder and I'm going to make 300000 a year. And I laugh and I tell the students, if it paid 300000 a year, I would either be on my sailboat in the Keys or I'd be underwater welding. Yeah. So doesn't quite pay that much. So the way it works is when you come to our school and you graduate, you can go two different directions. One, you can do inland. Yeah. which is rivers, dams, bridges, water treatment plants, sewage treatment plants, nuclear plants, uh, water towers, the big water towers. We actually have divers get up okay. on top, get in, inspect the inside, do maintenance on those. Okay. Like I said, the water treatment plants, you open up a manhole mm-hmm. and you crawl through a pipe that's flooded with water underground kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So for inland, when you get out of school, you're basically considered a diver. Okay. When you want to go to the Gulf of Mexico, which most of your work is going to be out of South Louisiana and Texas, that's right. 95% of your oil and gas work here in the U.S., uh, you start out as a tender. So you're kind of the lowest level person. Uh, you're holding the diver's hose. You're tending the diver's gear, running equipment, setting up, rigging, running the decompression chamber.
1: Essential, and then, essentially a welder's helper.
0: There like, you go. In go. In a welder's helper. Okay. Then from there you move up to lead tender. So everything offshore is done 24-7. Mm-hmm. And the reason it's done 24-7 is it's expensive to have a dive boat or a barge out there. So a small inspection boat doing shallow work can cost an oil and gas company twenty to 30000 a day. Okay. And a big construction boat or barge can be in the several hundred thousand dollars a day.
1: Because when those aren't running, it's costing them money. There
0: you go. So they want those things running, people working 24-7. So you got your... Day shift or night shift, 12 hours, seven days a week. Uh, from Tinder, you make lead tender, And I tell everyone, the world starts to turn. So your respect level goes up, your pay goes up some, and responsibility goes up. So now you're over the crew. You get m- much more dive rotation. Doesn't mean you won't dive right out of school. Uh, but the reason is they're not going to just let you get out of school and, and the- say, hey, we need to go jump you in 200 feet of water and... Put this complex stuff together in zero visibility because you don't have the experience
1: Yep, it's kind of like any job you got to work your way up to right
0: the so they'll start you out at maybe 20 feet and hook up an anchor
1: mm-hmm.
0: and then they'll go okay we to let them go 60 feet jet some pipe do this and a little deeper a little more complex work your way up to it kind of thing or work your way down to it yeah so um once you get to that point you make lead tender i tell everybody once you make lead tender the world turns life gets much better you're diving a lot more. And then from there, you'll go to diver. Once you make diver, the world doesn't turn. You go to a whole other world. I call it getting in the club. Okay. Once you're in the club, the commercial diver club, it's a pretty cool club to be in. You know, you'll think there's less than 5,000 commercial divers in the U.S. Okay. Out of 400 and something million people. Yeah. It's a really, really small group. Once you're in, you eat, you sleep, and you dive. The grunt work pretty much goes away. Working people, welders, riggers, I call those are working people. Mm-hmm. A lot of them don't really like divers because they think they complain a lot and all they do is eat, sleep, complain, and play in the water. Mm-hmm. And they usually say that because a lot of divers eat, sleep, complain a lot, and play in the water. Yeah. But what they don't see is when a diver gets in the water, they're expected to produce. And so you know, they just see him jump in the water. But, but when they that don't. diver's down, they're getting there as fast as they can and they are getting as much done as they possibly can because the guy, the company man with the white hat who's signing that ticket, if you go down and you don't do what you're supposed to do, you're going to stand out. But if you're on the other side, you produce and you plan your dive, you know, that's how you move up. That's how you get more jobs kind of thing. Okay. So it's, you know, I've been on several jobs where you got, Joe welder over here is like divers are this and that and the other and two o'clock in the morning. And you've got some seas and you go, do you want to get in the water and do it? I'm not getting the water. There's sharks in there. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's kind of a trade off. So the other thing is when you come out, diver has to give their body a chance to recover before you can get back in the water. Um, you know, work them hard again. Yeah. So once you make diver, um, uh, then you can start doing deeper stuff. So you can go to, from surface supplied air, you go to mixed gas, and that's going to be 165 or so, depending on the company, okay. um, down to about 300 feet. Okay. And so you're breathing a helium oxygen mixture coming up and you're the deeper you go, the less time you have to work. Okay. And so the deeper you go, they're expected to produce more. That's why we start out 20 feet of water. You have all day to work, 250 feet of water, not a lot of time. Okay. Uh, after about five years or so, you've got some deeper mixed gas, more complex dives. You have the option of becoming a saturation diver. Okay. Depending on who the diver is, um, some people refer to saturation divers as the elite divers. I'm like, nah. The difference is you're going 300 to a thousand feet. And it's technically, if you want to speak, one dive. Because what happens is typically it's in the U.S. it's going to be six divers get in a chamber a saturation chamber. And it's basically going to be about nine feet wide, 20 something feet long. You have your bunks in there. got a transfer lock, which is typically where your shower and your toilet is. And then your bell uh, attaches to that. The whole system is pressurized. So if you're diving to 500 feet, it's pressurized 500 feet. So you're basically living at depth. So you look out the window, people are walking around, you sound like Donald Duck in there. Uh, When it's time to dive, you and your bell partner get in the bell. You have all your gear, your hatch, your wetsuits. You take your lunch, get in there, close the hatch. The crane picks up the bell, lowers it down. And our one diver gets out and he works for around three hours and then gets in. Next diver gets out and works three hours, gets back in, close the hatch, pulls it back up. It mates back up. Those two divers get out. Next two divers get in. And 5%. keep everything going.
1: Now, how long can you stay in one of those chambers?
0: Typically, they're going to go, it, everything's 24, and so they'll do six hours. Usually, it's eight hours, but by the time you get everybody in, they lower it down, get everything up, pull it back up. It's about eight, but typically, it's going to be a three-hour dive mm-hmm. and a three-hour dive. So, uh, it's usually an eight-hour excursion total uh-huh. from uh, seal to seal, get the bell down, coming back up. Okay. And so your system, the entire system, a saturation job, so to speak, Mm -hmm. will last about 30 days on average. So once you get in, they close the hatch, pressurize it, you're going to be in there for about 30 days at depth. So you might dive, let's say you're diving to 800 feet, a really deep dive, and then they might bring you up and you're doing something on a manifold or whatever, and the pipeline comes up and it goes to 400 feet. Then they'll decompress the divers, and you're at 400, they'll stop, let you work there, and okay. work your way up kind of thing. You don't
1: just come automatically up out of the water. because Correct.
0: So what happens happen. is you're breathing this helium and all this pressure, and it saturates your body, so you have to decompress nice and slow. Okay. So it's kind of a general rule of thumb, a day plus one for every 100 feet. So if you're diving to 500 feet, you're looking about six days to decompress. Right. Okay. And that gives you chance, a body chance to get rid of all the helium, come up nice and slow, decompress. Okay. So why would somebody want to get in a tube and be stuck in there? So if you're, um, you have a situation, you cut kind a of finger off, your girlfriend runs off with your dog, you're stuck in there. If they have an emergency, they can send a medic or a doctor can get in. They can blow them down to you and you can still come up. It's still going to be that day plus one. So if you're diving at 500 feet, It's six days to get out.
1: So like you cut your finger off, you've got to wait those six days to decompress. You're not going to just
0: open the door. I don't want to do this anymore. It's going to take you You a while to get out. So why would someone want to do that? The pay. So depending on the company and the scope of the job, 800 to 1500 a day is probably ballpark range. So, you know, if you got a deeper set job and you're making a thousand dollars a day, 30,000 for a month's work, Pretty good pay. It's pretty good pay. Yeah.
1: So like how, like in your lifetime, how long could you be a saturation diver? Can you be it like your entire life or uh, what requirements? What
0: happens is a lot of guys that do saturation diving, they will also do a lot of the mixed gas diving. It okay. doesn't mean, so the way it works is they'll have the newer divers, they'll start on the shallower stuff. Kind of depends on the scope of the job as well. If they have something complex going on, they're going to have a more experienced diver come in, even if it's shallower. Okay. So they're going to want someone again, the company man doesn't care about anything other than getting it done as quick as possible. Yeah. So you might have some experienced divers with some newer divers on shallower stuff. And then once you get into your other stuff, you'll have the guys do sat and mixed gas. You'll have a lot of divers only do mixed gas because they don't want to be they stuck in to- the tube with five other people that they may not like. Yeah. So. Uh, And you can make really good money as a mixed gas diver because the way it works is you're getting an hourly rate. You're paid 12 hours a day, seven days a week, everything over 40s, time and a half. Uh, So you're getting your hourly, your day rate. And then once you start diving, the first 50 feet, you don't get paid.
1: Okay.
0: 51 to 100, you know, you get paid. And then one to 200 and 200, 300, you know, per foot, the deeper you go, the The more money money you you get. Yeah. Okay. So you can make really good money as a mixed gas diver Mm -hmm. and you're not stuck in the tube Tube. the whole time. And you can
1: come out the next or the day of you you know on the decompress. You you
0: come out, you get in the decompression chamber and you sit there and you breathe your oxygen and you read your book and you know, you drink your coffee and your water or whatever and you get out and you You go back to Your room and the galley and you eat and sleep and hang out
1: kind of thing. So like being a deep sea diver, like being out on the oil rigs and platforms, how long are they usually out on those platforms before they come back inland?
0: So one of the things that's kind of um, stressful as far as diving lifestyle goes, there's a lot of folks who go offshore, might work 14 and 7. I mean, they go out for 14 days, they're in for 7. A friend of mine is a boat captain. Big boat. He goes out for 30 days. He's in for two weeks. Okay. For divers, uh, we have called the season in the spring and summers when they stay busiest. Uh, But the way it works is you might go out for a week, come in for a day, go out for a month, come in for a week. Or you might go out on a one week job, but then pick up a four week job without coming in. Okay. So you don't want to turn down work because yeah, then, you're busy making money. Yep. The longest I personally ever stayed out was 90 days straight. Okay, Job to job to job. Mm-hmm. I wanted to move up as fast as I can, make as much money as I could. 90 days is a long time to be stuck in a boat. Typically 30 days is they try to rotate you in and let someone else go offshore. Kind okay. of thing.
1: Now kind of stepping back a little bit, like you, you said you start out as a tender. Like on average, how long is that time period that you at least you would recommend being a tender to get all that experience before you move up to lead tender.
0: Right. So the, a, a lot of this is what re- really neat that I liked about the diving is it's dependent on you. How aggressive are you? This industry will weed you out. If you're lazy, Okay. you're not motivated. You don't take the initiative to think ahead, plan ahead kind of thing. So it can take, how long does it take from the time I graduate school to make diver? Everybody wants to know one to three years what is that based on you and so the way it works is let's say we graduate the same time we go to work at the same company and they go hey we have a six-week job really long job great we go out and after three weeks i go hey i miss my girlfriend or my buddies or whatever i'm going in and you stay out well you just made three weeks more money Mm -hmm. and three weeks more experience you Mm -hmm. do that throughout the year Who's going to move up faster? Yeah. Well, you will, so it's because you got a, more experience, you've more you money. And right. How so how aggressive are you, are you to move up? So my whole thing is push, 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 work, 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 make diver. You okay. know, that's the whole thing. Make diver. And then you can kind of relax Thanks. a little bit, get in the club. And then yeah, it's worth the, kind of the sacrifice and the push to get, you know, yeah. to that level. Okay. Hey, everyone. If you are looking to pick up a new machine, head on over to store.lincolnelectric.com, and you can use one of our promo codes, weld.com10, for 10% off equipment or weld.com20 for 20% off gear, accessories, and these are going to be good for the rest of the year. Again, that's weld.com spelled out W-E-L-D-D-O-T com with 10 or 20 after and you can snag some sweet new gear at a sweet new price
1: on average like the lifespan of a diver i know that's a big i mean there's a lot of myths out there of oh you you know eight years and on that you know day one after those eight years you're dead like right what's what, yeah so that that's
0: um that's one of the most common things is um uh what diving does to a diver you know it crushes your bones and it boils your blood and cut your life short and everything. And I actually spoke to someone, they said, yeah, you can only do it for eight years and then you die. And I'm like, well, what if you go like seven years and 10 great, months, are yeah, you still good? Or, or what if you go like two days over? And mm-hmm. uh, so there's total myth, misunderstandings of that. Uh, what happens is you have a lot of divers, they go into diving in their twenties, their thirties, their forties, they make a bunch of money. You know, they pay off their house, their condos, sailboats and Cadillac and gold Rolexes, which is what divers tend to do. And then they go, "Okay, I want to have a more stable family life, Uh, because when you're out, you tend to miss birthdays and kiddos first steps and Christmas and holidays and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. So it's kind of stressful when you're going, okay, I've done this thing and now I want to go do something else. So I'm going to go be a florist or a welder or whatever you want to do. Mm -hmm. Or what happens is your divers get to a certain point and they become supervisors. So you're still in diving. You're just not getting in the water or they'll go get an operations manager. So they're in diving, but they're just coordinating stuff and they go home every evening or they do marketing for a diving company, which is a great job Mm -hmm. if you can get one of those. So, but you still have to know how to, you know, talk diving kind of thing. So... It's not that it shortens your lifespan. You can do it as long as you stay healthy. I know guys who are doing it into their 60s. Okay. But it is a physical job. You're a construction worker. So if you're a welder, you can do a lot more in your 20s and your 30s than you can in your 50s and your 60s. So it's kind of a trade off because when you're young, you might have more energy and be able to last longer. But when you're older, you you have have a lot of knowledge. Yeah. And so what takes this guy? Working really, really hard an hour to do. The older guy might come in and go, "I can't move quite as fast, but I can get it done in half the time." Yeah, yeah. And so it's kind of a trade-off. So, uh, like I said, I know guys do it, you know, up into their sixties. But for the most part, you get a little more risk for doing deeper stuff. So you won't find a lot of older divers doing a lot Deep, of mixed so. gas stuff, deeper stuff. Okay. But yeah, there's no real age limit, so to speak. Guys just go, "All right, I've done this thing, and I want to go." So. Yeah. I'm actually a third-generation diver. My dad and grandpa were divers. 25 years, 26 years as active divers. So there's real no age, age limit it. to... Just depends it, on your you health. Stay and healthy, and right. So it's typically not the uh, the diving lifestyle. It's how divers tend to live, live their, their life, life on the beach. Real similar to a lot of welders like to spend their money on doing fun stuff. And yep. it's not always the healthiest thing. Yep. So a little drink here and there kind of thing.
1: Yep. So. so really no age limit just depends on how you right. want to live your life kind yeah. of thing. So you're in the deep sea, obviously there's uh, creatures that live in that deep sea. Right. Um, like one of the myths maybe be like sharks are going to come and eat you or anything of that nature. I don't know if you can maybe explain some of that um, right. out in the field. And
0: again, there's lots of stories and everything out there about the sharks and uh, we've had students come through and they're like, yeah, my uncle was a diver and he was welding something and the shark came and he had to fight it off with a wrench. And I kind of laugh and I'm <laughs> going, no, I can tell you where that story originated from. They're like, where? Way back when, when I was diving, I used to tell the ladies in the bar that story to impress, impress them. <laughs> and I learned it from my dad who used to say it then. Say and it then. he learned it from my grandpa back in the forties. So I have never heard of a commercial diver being attacked by a shark. Uh, you have a hat and, a Bella bottles still tank on your back. Um, there's hoses and cables and noise, and you're not food. They kind of check you out and swim off. They don't come up, bump you, bite you, any of that. If it's a big shark, you kind of keep an eye on it. So, yeah, uh, but really, a lot of times you're diving in zero visibility, can't see anything. So, you, you know, might not even right know that the shark's there. You wouldn't there. even know it's there. One of the things that's a little awkward is Barracuda, big, long, ugly fish, big teeth. And they tend to hover next to a diver. They don't bite at you. They don't try to get in your way or anything. They keep you company like a dog. Oh. They just kind of sit. And you look up and, oh, oh there's hey. a fish. <laughs> you know, and they just kind of sit. and They don't mess with you. Don't bite at you. Super fast. Uh, ugly fish. But you get so focused on what you're doing. That you don't you worry don't about even... that stuff. Eels or stuff like that. Don't stick your hands into dark places you can't see kind of thing. Okay. So... I don't know what's in there. I'm Check not putting in. You got your light, look it in, and go if you're reaching or rigging something. Yeah. So, but for the most part, jellyfish, you might get you know something in a wetsuit, little thing, and you got your meat tenderizer or whatever put on, but nothing really, really bad. So, sea critters really not a not a huge issue, not a concern.
1: All right. Me being a female, I guess how common is it to see female commercial divers? Is it? Not really a thing, or are there still women out there being commercial divers?
0: Right. So this was uh, another one of those kind of missed things that uh, uh, women can't be divers because of the pressure and this and that and the other. In the last couple of years, we've actually seen more and more an increase in ladies diving. And um, there's kind of a misunderstanding about you have to be some big muscle head gorilla to be a diver. Mm -hmm. And so... The word I use to describe everything offshore is ginormous. Everything is crazy big, made out of steel. So I don't care how big and strong you are, you're not going to pick up a 1500 pound clamp and walk through the mud and yeah. do anything with it. Yeah. Um, but you have your brain and you go, well, I'm not strong enough to pick it up, but I have tuggers and I know how to rig stuff. And I've got the gorillas up top who can run all this stuff and I can move anything anywhere including an entire platform to position it, put it in place, pull it up, that kind of thing. And um, I tell everybody this story way back in the day when I was uh, a little less enlightened, so to speak, mm-hmm. a little less wisdom. I was a lead tender at a shop and we had a lady who was the lead tender from another shop. She came in and she wanted to be in charge. Back in the day, I had that, hey, little lady, I'm going to be in charge kind of an attitude. And the supervisor goes, Okay, well, we only need one, so got a whole truck full of uh oxygen and air bottles and everything. Need to go on the boat. Whoever can load the most, the fastest, gets to be in charge. No problem. I go over, pick up two, go rocking on over, putting them on the boat. She takes off, comes back with cherry picker crane, picks up the whole rack, moved it over. And I'm like, okay, swallow my pride. She's like, I'm day shift, lead tender, you're yeah. night shift, and I like my coffee, sugar, and two creams, and... Every day I showed up and I had her coffee just right, ready to go. So you win, you know, admitted. And so that was the turning point when I learned it doesn't matter if you're a big muscle-head gorilla. You want to have some uh, upper body strength, you know, a little bit of endurance. I tell these guys, if you smoke, you vape, stop all that kind of thing. And you kind of saw yesterday, you know, you were diving about hour and a half in the water mm-hmm. uh, doing welding so you weren't even doing a lot of heavy construction no and when you came up everything uh, felt s-
1: 10 times heavier than a little what it bit was. heavier coming yep. out
0: so you're in the water and you're so focused and you're moving and then when you're back in air you know, wow i've got a lot of weight but in the water you're still carrying still all weight this it stuff just doesn't
1: you. you don't feel it i guess as much